G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. Coming up today on The Story. I'm 92, I'll be 93 on October 5th. I'm 91 plus. We met and married in 29 days. First time I saw her, I married to her. <laughs> and I always tease her and say, well, that was during the war and there wasn't very many guys around. The Story. Hi, I'm Jimmy Colfax. Welcome to The Story. Today, a celebration of marriage and ministry with two remarkable couples sharing their stories. Harold and Juanita Langenberg came to Australia from the United States in the 1960s and were married over 70 years. And Steve and Lorraine Cavill have been married many years as well and minister to people in remote areas of Australia. These couples have very different stories, but both have had lasting marriages based on a firm foundation of faith in Jesus Christ. First off, here's Karen Hunt having a chat with Harold and Juanita. My special guests today are Harold and Juanita Langenberg. Now, they live in Karanyup in Western Australia. They recently celebrated 70 years of marriage. They married in the USA in the 1940s and later moved to Australia in the mid-60s. Let's start with you, Harold. Now, would you be willing to share with us how young you are? I'm 92. I'll be 93 on October 5th. I'm 91 plus. God bless you guys. And a birthday coming real soon and an anniversary. Major milestones. (laughs) And you sound like you're full of beans still. Now, I'm interested to know, what's your secret? Well, if you let the Lord teach you, you you have a lot of fun. As far as we're concerned, we we had no trouble at all. We met and married in 29 days. First time I saw her, I was married to her. (laughs) And I always tease her and say, well, that was during the war and there wasn't very many guys around. I heard a bit of a story, Harold, that you actually saw your lovely wife singing on stage with her sisters and you were sitting in the audience with your girlfriend at the time. Yeah, and I told her, I said, oh, that one in the middle, I said, that's my class. <laughs> she said, oh, and I took that girl home and never went back to see her again. I had come from Kansas and I thought, why live in the prairies when you can live in the mountains? So uh, I said, as soon as I get enough money, I'm going to get on the Greyhound and come to uh, go to Oregon where my brother-in-law's family were. And that's how I happened to meet Harold. I went to the church that um, my brother-in-law's father had, Dr. Willard Pope in Portland, Oregon. And I went to this meeting and that's where I met Harold. Wow. And that was in like 1942. Juanita, do you remember how much you actually paid for that ticket on the Greyhound? What a good investment. $70. I had saved up a long time for it, but I just felt I was to go there, but that's the way we have been led by the Lord all along is that he just opened doors and he says, go, and we go. Now, I know you've both got lots of stories over your lifetime. You're in your 90s now. You've been married for 70 years. Harold, what are some of the key things that you've learned over time? Well, uh, I uh, was teaching Sunday school class in a church one time and the lesson was on healing, and I believe in healing, but when I come right down to it, the um, 
I, I got a paper off the front lawn, and it was about uh, Los Angeles Times, and it's told about a woman's breast being healed under a doctor's knife. And I thought, well, I'll use that. And, well, it turned out that the pastor's daughter was in class, and I was calling the matinee at 3 o'clock that afternoon. And they said, we don't teach that sort of thing. We don't believe it. And so I left the Sunday school class and went back up to Oregon. But on, on the process, I said, God, I said, you, I talk to you all the time, but, but you don't talk to me. I want you to talk to me. And so about a year and a half later, I was sitting in a restaurant, and I had this feeling come down over me like warm honey. And I burst it out and started weeping. I was waiting for my brother, and he didn't come. And uh, I, I wept uncontrollably. I, I just couldn't, in the process, I said, God, I really love you, and bang, right in the middle of my stomach, a voice said, my son, I love you too, but on the plane of love where you are, on the plane of love where I am, we can't have perfect fellowship. I can't hardly talk about it. Very touching. But he said, my desire is that you come to the same plane of love where I am, where we, we can have perfect fellowship. I didn't realize at that time what he really was saying. What he was saying was, I want you to love me as much as I love you. I thought I did. We went back up to Oregon, and I had gone to the American Soul Clinic, and I had a Jewish man teach me how to, to witness. So I was teaching a class in the Bible school, and it got real cold one evening, and I told him, I said, I've got to go back to my car and get my overcoat. And so I took off, and I ducked down a hall, an alleyway, and I bumped into a man, and I said, what do you think of Jesus Christ? And he said, you don't know what you've just said. I said, oh, yes, I do. And he said, no. He said, you don't. He said, come on out in the light. I want to have a look at you. When we got out in the end of the alleyway, and I started to open my Bible. He slapped his hand on the Bible. He said, don't open that. I thought, what am I getting into? And he said, if you believe what you believe the way I think you believe, he said, you'll come to my house. I said, I can't do it. I got a group of young people out here teaching them how to do soul winning. He said, I said, if you believe what you believe the way you do, you'll come to my house. I said, you don't leave me any alternative. He said, that's right. So I got in his car and left a note in my car. And he took me over within a block of my house, parked in front of the house, said, come on in. So I went into his house. He sat me down on the sofa, and he went back in the back room. And after a little while, his wife and the 13-year-old daughter came out from the back room. His daughter was weeping uncontrollably. And his wife's eyes were black and blue and swelling up. And uh, he said, this is uh, what happened. He said, and uh, uh, he, he had them sit down. He said, now, he said, I want you to tell us what you were going to tell me. I led the three of them to Christ. Never know when, when God's going to touch you like that. Isn't that true? It was amazing. It's pretty clear that you love the Lord, hey? Harold, what was it that took you from the USA to Western Australia? The Lord spoke to me and said, I want you to go to Australia. Well, actually, I had gone to, to Vietnam during the war uh, with the Full Gospel Business Fellowship and ministered to the uh, boys over there. I had one case of me, and I never will forget. A young man was in bed, and the blood was running out from under the bed. And I went over to him, and, and uh, he, and close I got to him, the more he pulled a magazine in front of his face, and I pulled it down. I said hi to him, and he smiled. And in talking to him, he lied about his age. He was just a kid. 
And uh, I said, what happened to you? And he said, I put a grenade between my legs. And I, I said, why did you do that? And I found out that he was completely despondent. I said, does your mother know anything about this? He said, oh, she wouldn't give us so-and-so. And I realized that boy did not have anyone that loved him. These kind of stories touch you. You're never the same. After I got back from Vietnam, the church didn't believe I, I was hearing from God, so the Lord spoke to me one night, and he said, um, would you let me use you as a testing for my people? I said, yes. He said, all right, you won't receive the money for your trip to Vietnam until the very last thing. And I didn't. I received the money at, at 9 o'clock at night and left at 5 o'clock in the morning. And when I got back, one man in the audience said, Harold, he said, are you going back to Vietnam? I said, no. He said, oh, where will you be going? I said, I'll probably go to Australia. Now, I don't know why, to this day why I said that. But later on, the Lord spoke to me and said, I want you to go directly to Perth, and I want you to be with the Full Gospel Business Fellowship. And we came over, and we came directly to Perth. And so that's where the, the story begins in Australia. <laughs> I'm chatting with Harold and Juanita Langenberg. They're in Karanyip in Western Australia. They're originally from the USA. They came out to here in the 1960s. But right now, Juanita, let's hear from you a little more. You have both recently written a book together. Tell us about it. Yes, we felt we should write this down because the Lord had done so much for us. But when Harold said, uh, feel the Lord's calling us maybe to Australia, and I thought, well, that's a big move. And we had a son who was 14. And, but I said one night after they went to bed, I went to the Lord. I said, Harold feels called. And Brian, of course, it's an uh, experience for him. But I've got to know the Lord. He spoke and said two things. I've healed Harold's kidneys. They were bleeding. And, and that's another story, of course. And he said... You would have spent everything you had, sell your other house and this house and the, the, to put him on a dialysis for life. And the second thing, you'll be so fed up of just unfulfilled living if you stay here. And I said, all right, Lord, I'll go. But with Harold, he came home from work one day, and his urine was like blood filled it. And he had painted it. Um, and his work, some paint that had uh, something wrong in it, and it just, just about took his life. So we raised him to the hospital, and he was there for three days, and that's another story, what happened with him. They said, just go home, and, and the doctor rang me, and he said, Harold should have a kidney replacement, and you better get to when you're getting it. And I said, and something came over me like, sweet honey, all over down in peace. And I said, thank you, doctor, and hung up. And I just sat there, and then I felt put Harold in the car on taking 100 miles to Portland, where I know there's a good group of prayer warriors. So I got him in the car, drove up 100 miles, and it was night, almost midnight then, but they got up, they came together and prayed for Harold. Harold drove all the way home, 100 miles. Shout and he hallelujah. Said, Everything's so bright. It's so bright, he said. And so I praise the Lord for that. He's here today. Yay. And you've had lots of amazing instances, haven't you, of what the Lord has done in your lives. One of those, of course, is your marriage of 70 years. Now, is there a secret to that that you can share with us? Love. <laughs> Simple. Yeah. 
and that we believe in that scripture that your marriage will be hindered if you don't have unity. That's what I held on to. We held on to. Your prayers are hindered. Well, it's very special talking to you, and I'm sure there are still more adventures ahead for both of you. Congratulations on 70 years of marriage. It's an absolute milestone. Juanita, back to the book, though, that you've written together. What is the name of the title? Occupy Before the Trumpet. The Lord gave me that word, and it tells all the things that God has done in our lives. And I just certainly praise Him and praise Him because He has provided, He's been with us, and He answers our prayers, and He's a real God. And now we're located in a retirement village in Perth, and um, the Lord's sending some money in to help us daily. And also, um, there's people we can talk to here, and He sends them in now, and we don't have to go out and, like Carol, walking on the streets and witnessing. And I praise the Lord for this. I hope he takes us until he takes us home. (laughs) Well, God bless you as you continue in your walk together. Your mission has not ended. That sounds prophetic. That was Karen Hunt chatting with Harold and Juanita Langenberg in Western Australia. And at the time of that recording, they were celebrating their 70th wedding anniversary, an inspiration to us all. Sadly, since then, Harold has passed away, but what a wonderful legacy of love and faith in the Lord they have passed on to their children. And to all of us, fantastic. Next, we'll hear the story of another couple who have found lasting love, Steve and Lorraine Cavill from Outback Aerial Mission in Longreach, Queensland. That and more when we return. The story. If this program has highlighted something you'd like prayer for, we'd love to pray for you. Call 1-800-PRAY-FOR-ME. That's 1-800-772-936. It's a free call. Or text 0401 132 Hi, I'm Jimmy Colfax, and this is The Story. Today we're celebrating marriage and ministry by hearing the stories of two remarkable couples. Before the break, we heard Harold and Juanita Langenberg from WA. Next, we turn to Longreach, Queensland, where Steve and Lorraine Cavill are missionaries with Outback Aerial Mission. They're having a chat with Shelley Scowen. So what led you into ministry in the first place? I mean, you were there happily having your business and working away. How did you know that God was calling you into ministry? Um, I guess uh, it probably started when I was a child. Um, I had a bit of a, um, a thing for missions and that, and that sort of stuff. I, um, I grew up with that passion. I like to read books on it, uh, missionary stories and so on. But uh, later on in life, in fact, after we were married, um, I was praying about it and thinking about it a lot and, um, and God seemed to say to me, uh, well, not seemed to say, he said in very definite way to my heart that it, uh, that he had called me to uh, full-time ministry, or called us, I should say, because we were married at that, that time. Not quite sure Lorraine was so, uh, uh, so keen right at the start. Shelley, probably I should go back and say Stephen has always had a love of flying. In fact, when he was in, I think it was prep, he told one of his mates he was actually going to fly over uh, his house that weekend. So this little fella sat out on top of the chook house waiting for Stephen to fly over. So <laughs> flying went back a long time. And uh, when we 
uh, first got married, Stephen came home one day and he said he believed because we lived uh, in Benalla at the time and there was a flying school just at the end of the road and uh, I was teaching so there was some money to be put to good use and your wife working and <laughs> yeah. so he would go up at the end of the road, uh, Stephen was a motor mechanic and so he would wander up the road after work and take up, started flying and we believed that was what, you know, he had his love of flying and believed God had um, was leading him that way so his father wasn't really impressed for a start because he didn't particularly like planes, but um, yeah, so he would go up after work of a night and that's where he started to fly and believing that perhaps uh, we always knew of OAM and so um, we didn't actually know we would be here then, but he would go up over night time after work and so he just started getting his private pilot's licence and uh, working it up that way, believing perhaps one day, maybe, God would use it for something. So obviously you are at Outback Aerial Mission in Longreach now. So how did God call you into that mission? We uh, were asked by the committee here to apply for the job um, along with uh, other uh, people uh, who were applying as well. Um, they knew that uh, through a former pastor pilot here, they knew that I had a pilot's licence and was in Christian ministry and uh, so they wrote and asked if we would apply, uh, which we prayed about and felt that uh, we should and we did do that. However, we didn't uh, actually get the job. Uh, another pastor pilot uh, got the job and it was quite interesting how it all worked out because I was quite convinced that um, God wanted us to go to Longreach and be involved in the ministry. So it was a surprise when the job didn't go our way. Mm. However, um, various reasons uh, that other past pilot wasn't able to stay very long and, um, and so the job was open again. And uh, after more prayer, um, I wrote to them and said, yes, I'm still available. And interestingly, that letter did not arrive before the, the committee here had had a meeting discussing about whether they should continue the mission or call it quits. Wow. And uh, they came away from that meeting, an actual retreat actually, they came away uh, believing that God wanted them to continue the ministry and on the next day our letter was in their mailbox uh, saying that we were available and felt God had called us to Longreach and uh, so it all fell into place from there. How's that for confirmation? That's amazing. Yeah, it is rather amazing. And really that's the way that you want to be starting any new job and certainly any new ministry is to really have that uh, very obvious confirmation of the hand of God in, in all of it. Yes, um, it was a big confidence booster. If you're making a big decision, a big change in your life, especially when you have uh, five young children as we did, uh, you need to be really confident, really certain that you're doing the right thing, especially um, also since the uh, mission is a faith uh, ministry and there is no wage associated. So having that confidence, knowing that God was in all of this, was just a, a great way to start. Can you tell us about what OAM actually is? Give us a bit more detail. Um, OAM is Outback Aerial Mission and it began in 19... 19- 61, that's right, November 1961. Es- Esram, uh, Esram Valmore, they uh, lived in Tasmania and uh, Es had, uh, had been in South Australia, saw the work of the flying doctors and thought, you know, something should be this, like this should be done for Christians. God led them to Longreach and so Es went, had, his, had a plane, had his, sold up their farms in Tasmania and they shifted 
uh, from Tasmania to Longreach with three children and very hot. Uh, Essendon actually lives two doors up from us and okay. the same neighbours are still in the middle. So we hear lots of stories about Essendon earlier days <laughs> and they did a great work here in, in establishing a church in uh, school visitation, uh, sorry, church visitation, flying around the outback in establishing um, you know, girls and boys clubs, phenomenal work and are still known uh, and still talked about here in the outback. So they were here for 20 years establishing the work. Wow, what an amazing legacy to leave behind all these people that whose lives they've touched. Is that fairly similar to what you guys do nowadays? It hasn't changed much at all, Shelley. Uh, the, the work has still got the same basis, the same foundation, and that is that we want to share the love of God with the people in the outback in isolated situations. If uh, those people don't know uh, the Lord Jesus Christ, we want to introduce them to him and uh, help them to understand that he loves them and uh, he has a plan for their life and uh, wants to save them. If they do know him, we want to get in there and help them, encourage them and and be a blessing in some way to them. Also, another part of the work that uh, particularly Stephen is involved in is visiting the Outback Schools to teach RE mm-hmm. because we were very much aware that the young ones growing up, um, especially in these Outback places, if God isn't introduced at a young age, then they could go for a lot of years with not knowing anything about the Bible. So it's a great opportunity to actually go into the school and to introduce them to God. So Stephen visits, you know, from Birdsville to Hewenden, from Quilpy uh, through to um, Jericho, like, you know, sort of all those sort of areas. He's in the school actually teaching RE. Wow. Another part of our work in visitation is uh, visiting people on their properties. So if they have an airstrip or a road or something that can be uh, used as an airstrip, like a clay pan sometimes, uh, I try to drop in and um, visit with people and, and just encourage them or uh, sometimes just be a listening ear, but always looking for an opportunity to share something from God uh, to those people too so that they uh, learn something of him and uh, have an opportunity to ask them more questions hopefully and and sometimes that uh, has developed into uh, full-on uh, Bible study, like Christianity Explained or something like that to uh, help them to come to know the Lord Jesus Christ. That's awesome. I think that's one challenge that a lot of our remote listeners face too, is that just being remote and it gets a bit lonely. I remember talking to one girl uh, who was a teenager and she was really excited because it was her birthday and I asked her if uh, she was having a party and she said, well, actually our neighbours are coming. And I said, oh, yeah, that sounds really good. And she said, yeah, they live about an hour and a half away, so it'll be really good to see them. <laughs> and that's their next-door neighbour. And I think it's something for me, you know, in suburbia, it just feels so foreign and I think it's easy for us to forget some of these challenges that people in remote areas face. Uh, for them, it's just great to see another smiling face and, you know, another human being. And then obviously for you to be able to bring that spiritual encouragement as well is uh, such a relief and a blessing to them. Yeah, and uh, the the culture out out west is very open. Like uh, we're always welcome, and uh, so which it makes it uh, very easy to be able to reach them and uh, visit with them and and uh, share with them. Mm. What do you love about the ministry of Outback Aerial Mission? What has really touched a chord? Is is there something in particular that's happened, I don't know, recently or maybe not recently, that you've gone, yes, this is why I'm here. I love it. 
I really love to uh, to share the gospel with people or to teach the Bible, and um, it really gets my engine started when I get a chance to do that. Um, a couple of years ago, I went to visit a man who was uh, on a property and not far from Longridge, uh, but he was uh, dying from cancer, and I went to visit him, and I knew him quite well, and so I uh, went to visit him and got a, an opportunity to share the gospel with him, he said to me, uh, I've believed this since I was a child, and yet something's wrong, something I don't, uh, something, something I don't understand, and so we would go through it all again, and I visit a number of times uh, sharing uh, with him, and on my birthday, actually, it was uh, the, the, the best birthday present I've ever got, I think, um, I went to his place to share with him again, and the penny dropped, and his, uh, you could see it on his face how the, in, the enlightenment as it came to him, and he understood that uh, he needed to make that commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ, and uh, he did that. He was laying in his bed, and his uh, elderly wife was laying in the bed beside him, and I was sitting on a chair talking to them and, and uh, led them in a prayer of uh, commitment to the Lord Jesus. And uh, after he... He uh, had done that, he immediately turned to me and he said, my family needs to hear this, would you tell my family? And I was able to assure him that I'd uh, do that if they gave me the chance, Mm. which actually came about uh, at his funeral where he died uh, not too long afterwards and uh, at his funeral I was given an opportunity and so I was able to share with his family what uh, I'd shared with him. It was a really fabulous time. Wow, what a privilege to be there uh, at just the right time to really support that man through that hard time and, of course, see the eternal benefits too. Yeah. Uh, thanks so much for making us more aware of, uh, I guess, some of the challenges that people in the Outback face and thank you for your work in supporting all these people. Thank you very thank much, Shelley. That was Shelley Scowen chatting with Steve and Lorraine Cavill, who are missionaries from Outback Aerial Mission in Longreach, Queensland. For more information, their website is... Outbackaerialmission.weebly.com. That's outbackaerialmission.weebly.com. Well, that brings to a conclusion our celebration of marriage and ministry, focusing today on two remarkable couples sharing their stories, Steve and Lorraine Cavill and Harold and Juanita Langenberg. In this day and age of divorce and separation, it's great to hear two couples who have had lasting marriages and have enjoyed doing ministry work together, serving the Lord. They're a tremendous example of for all of us. Well, thanks for joining us. I'm Jimmy Colfax, encouraging you to share your story with someone today. Next time on The Story. We kind of said we'll take it slow, we'll see what happens, and <laughs> and within three months I kind of thought this is <laughs> slow enough, and um, and I, uh, you know, we went up onto one of the mountains close by here and I did a little speech in Latvian. And oh, he did really well. I got one of her friends to help me with translation and kind of set it up and And yeah, proposed to her and she said yes and got married four months later. A special treat, an international love story for you with Cameron from the east side of Melbourne and Signate from Latvia. We'll find out how they met and married and how the Lord was working in their lives even before they met in Poland. Quite a romantic story next time. The story. story. Just another way vision is connecting faith to life. 
Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.